Good morning. It's Iowemala, and it is a brisk, windy day here in northern Illinois. Um, makes me think of Little House on the Prairie <laughs> with the sounds of the wind. So uh, I think it's not going to be a bright, sunny day today, as we're probably going to have a lot of wind and it's not very cold, but it's definitely windy. So I hope you're enjoying either a nice, quiet uh, walk on the beach, or it might be nighttime where you are and you're getting ready to go to bed. So we can spend some time together and enjoy whatever, wherever and whatever we've got. Today I'm going to read something from Collecting Gold Dust by Ashin Tejania. And in the book group, the two, the top runner so far, and I'm waiting until the end of today when I can get all the votes. So if I've sent you a ballot to vote for book club, the, the number one choice so far, but it's pretty close, is the Bhikkhu Bodhi's book, The Noble Eightfold Path, The Way to the End of Suffering. And the second place book is this Collecting Gold Dust by Ashin Tejania. And it's one of the books I've been reading little pieces from. Uh, so they're both wonderful books. We might just do both of them. They're both small. So I'm waiting for those votes to come in. And if you, if you, well, if you're in the book group, hopefully you got your, your email from me with the, uh, telling you the five choices the group had selected. So, and book group is coming up this coming Monday evening. I want to begin with, uh, this is from Ayapema's book, uh, Welcoming the Unwelcome, that we just finished. And this is something she says she often recites at the beginning of a public talk or any uh, group she's with, and has, if people know it, they recite it with her. So... We can use this just as well, and I think it's a good beginning. May bodhicitta, precious and sublime, arise where it has not yet come to be, and where it has arisen, may it never fail, but grow and flourish ever more and more. So, I think that's lovely. There are a couple of things from her book that are uh, well worth keeping in front. I keep them in front of me when I, whenever I can, whenever I'm sitting in front of the computer too. So today, what I'd like to read from, and this is the little book, it's Collecting Gold Dust, Nurturing the Dhamma in Daily Living, Sayadaw Ute Janiya. Um, and some of his books, if you know, some of his books are in, on PDFs. So if you go to his website, you can get the book, uh, Awareness Alone is Not Enough. And that one is not in publication anymore, but it is available free as a PDF. And there's also an uh, uh, re audio recording of it that you, uh, MP3, I think. It's a 
computer-generated voice, I think, so you may, that may not be your favorite thing to listen to, but if you know someone who needs that help, it's really good to find something in audio. So this, here's the intro to, this is a chapter called Take a Closer Look, and it's about a third of the way into the book, and I thought it had some good things for us to be thinking about. And he's, he's going to be talking about those three, we, the three poisons, the things that are all part of the conditioned world, and they are greed or, or craving, aversion, which we sometimes call anger, and the third one is, is uh, delusion or ignorance. And that's an ignorance of genuinely not knowing something or the ignorance of not wanting to know something. So this is what this is going to be about. Sometimes meditators are under the impression that they must practice in a specific way to get certain results. That's not the case. The process itself is a learning process. You are learning how meditation operates. That is such a wonderful... um, That's really something to remember because... Uh, I know last night at our open discussion at Blue Lotus, someone asked about what are the different ways to meditate. And it's a difficult question to answer, but um, I love what Ashin Tejaniya is saying, or Sayadaw Tejaniya, that the process itself is a learning process. You're learning how meditation operates. So I think that's a perfect answer. Like when we're sitting, it's not about the techniques we're using as much as it is about us really understanding what we're doing, what we're trying to do, which is work with our minds and be able to clear out the defilements and to um, generate qualities like bodhicitta and, you know, let those good, wholesome qualities arise in us and help us know how to uh, allow the defilements and the things that are holding us back from the happiness and freedom from suffering that we desire. We're learning to see how we operate, how this body and mind operate so we can work with our minds to let go of the defilements and embrace and encourage and maintain those those purified qualities that can really help us keep continually keep seeing more clearly and more clearly then we become more in harmony with the world the natural world and we see our connection to all other living things and we then we begin to see why it's so important that we do that, do this. That this is the way, this is the way uh, we see those connections we have with other living things, and we have a much broader view. So we let go of that smaller me, mine. You know, belongs to me. It's mine. So take a closer look. My teacher constantly reminded me that all the problems in the world originate from the trio of greed, hatred, and delusion. 
Keep an eye on them watching and keeping these unwholesome qualities at bay will allow the wholesome qualities to arise automatically. The spectrum of wanting. When there are lots of pleasant physical sensations, we may become greedy for more. Watch this greed while continuing to keep an eye on awareness as much as possible. When the wanting is very subtle and not detectable, you are at least still able to recognize the presence of awareness. With an awareness of awareness, it is harder for the mind to get lost in the pleasant sensations. Additionally, having to work at be it continuously aware makes it harder for greed to wallow in the feeling. It is a physical sensation of hunger. Is it a phys- is it, sorry, is it a physical sensation of hunger in the stomach or wanting to eat the same thing? Let me read that sentence again. Is a physical sensation of hunger in the stomach and wanting to eat the same thing. Without mindfulness, it becomes hard to disentangle these two, and it seems like the same thing. As you practice more, you will begin to recognize the differences between a bodily function like the stomach growling and the desire to eat. When you are eating something, do you notice the difference between the taste of the hot and sour soup and the feeling that it is something pleasant. Hunger happens in the body or materiality, whereas that desire to eat happens in the mind. That pleasant feeling is called Vedana. Lopa, and that's this greed, entwines itself around an object. Will it wrap itself around an object and then let it go? Or will it entwine itself around an object and think, I can't let it go, I need it near me, I want it all the time. How strong is this loba, loba, the greed, for this object? Let's say we see a flower growing on a roadside, and some people may note that it's a lovely flower and keep walking, while others may look at the flower and think that they want to keep it for themselves and pluck it. Some attachments are like post-it notes, while others are more like superglue. <laughs> These are great images. <laughs> Let's deconstruct attachment down to its nature. You may be attracted to a particular person, and you think you like the person as a whole. What exactly is it that you like about this person? Do you like their eyes or hair? Do you like the way they behave or the way they smile? (coughs) Are you attracted to a mental quality? Do you have some idea about this person? Are they kind? Do they evoke a certain feeling that you do not get elsewhere? What particular characteristic is the mind wrapping itself around? Delusion can be so strong that we are initially attracted to a particular characteristic, but as we are trapped and move towards the object, we come to believe we like the whole thing. 
Delusion spreads the view that this whole thing is fantastic. Only one or two characteristics reel us in, and then delusion ensnares us whole. Check what catches your own mind and notice the experiences you are trying to recreate or re-experience through this particular product, person, or experience. Wow, that's a very powerful image. The wish for everything to be okay. Everyone has a lot of craving, but there is one very strong but elusive craving. It is the desire for everything to be okay. This desire for everything to be okay is very strong and powerful, but we are not aware of it because it hits us at the subconscious level. We grow up thinking that everything must work out the way we want it to, and become upset when something tiny goes wrong. The mind immediately becomes frustrated at the slightest hiccup. For example, if we want ten things and we get all of them, the mind calms down without a problem. If we can't get one or two out of ten, the mind becomes agitated. If we can't get half, the mind goes into depression. If we can't get any, the mind may go crazy. Don't expect that everything should be okay. The future is open and there is a 50% chance that the things that we do not want can happen to us. We need to be prepared for this eventuality. What is obvious is that we will age, we will become sick, be separated from our loved ones, and die. Dukkha is certain. I think we can stop with that because next we'll, we can, uh, tomorrow we can read around about why is there aversion and then delusion. But I think this is enough. These images are incredible. That desire, that greed, that craving wraps itself around us. And we don't, we don't even recognize that we're smothering. We want more, we want more. Uh, some of these, some of these bring back memories of being young. <laughs> That's why it's good not to be young <laughs> again. It's that uh, quality of, uh, like falling in love with someone when you're young. There are a couple of things that are, that, that you're drawn to and attracted to. And the closer you get, you don't want to see the things that maybe are not so good. So it's easy. Then we go into a deluded mind and we just keep wanting to believe that the whole package is as good as what attracted us in the first place. (laughs) So I think that's uh, very powerful. His descriptions are wonderful. So... Just let those kind of swim around in your head, right? And see, uh, are you a person who will pick flowers up when you're walking and see a beautiful flower? Do you pluck it? Or you decide, oh, it's a beautiful flower, let's leave it there so everybody can enjoy it and it can live a little bit longer. 
I think our, our culture as a whole has gotten to where we are less pluckers of flowers along trails because we're aware of how precious they are. But um, sometimes if we want it badly enough or if we think we're not going to see a flower like that again, we still pluck them. Take it home and then, then all we get to do is really watch it die, right, when it becomes ours. <laughs> so why don't we sit and just let our minds be aware of what's going on. Let our be aware of what's going on. Be aware of the awareness in your mind. So our instructions are always the same for meditation. Uh, we we pay attention to the body breathing. We we let our body be attentive and awake. Whatever posture we take, we want to make sure it allows our uh, spine to feel kind of stretched a little bit, lifted. So even if you're on the floor, you can allow your spine to feel lifted because you're kind of letting it untangle and and get as straight as your back can get. We work with our own bodies and the condition of our bodies, but we want to find that posture where we're awake and attentive and comfortable. So you can use props. You can put your hands, palms down on your upper thighs, or you can put one palm on top of the other or just have both palms up on top of your upper legs. Lots of different ways to hold our body. But we want to have uh, our shoulders up and back because that allows our lungs to get more oxygen. Your eyes can be open or closed. But then what our practice is always about is about awareness of what's going on in our bodies. Doesn't have to be thinking, thinking, thinking. We're we're coming at that awareness from a different part of us. It's a physical awareness. It's that quality of investigation. Curiosity, exploration. So you can close your eyes or leave them open. If your eyes are open, it's good to have a a bit of a downward gaze, like maybe a down about five feet in front of you, down towards the ground. It's good to have your feet on the floor. Now be aware of the body breathing 
Be aware of your breath and just keep your focus either around your nostrils where you're breathing in and out or you can be aware of the belly rising and falling. And just be aware of that. I I think a good way is to think of just the breath coming in and then the moment the breath is coming out. We're not trying to track the breath as it travels through our body. We're being aware of the inhale and how that feels. And the exhale. Inhale. Exhale. Your sense doors are open, so you can smell and hear and taste, and you feel bodily contact, and your mind is open. Your mind is a sense consciousness. So we see thoughts arise, passing through our mind. And while we practice, we try to just see the thoughts arise and then let them pass through our mind. If you've practiced a lot, then you begin to see the patterns of your thinking. You may notice a lot of fear or worry. You might notice a lot of tranquility and calm. You may notice that your mind is feels agitated and restless. Whatever you notice, if you notice your mind is drowsy or restless or you're sluggish, if even if you're just noticing, oh, you're confused, you don't know how to do this meditation thing, Stay with it and let those thoughts go through your mind, but then let them watch them as they eventually disappear. Unless we feed them and encourage them, we do that with our attention. Those thoughts will go away. Those are our habitual thoughts. 
They form patterns around so many things we do during our day. So remember, think of the mind as pure, blue, clear sky. That spacious mind. And the thoughts are the clouds that go through the mind. The clouds will change, but they always go away. They're not permanent fixtures. All we need to do is keep coming back to our breath. Don't worry if your mind is distracted, just be aware. Right now the mind is distracted. You may be very familiar with your distractions, but know that you can just be aware without getting caught up in them and it may be worry about uh, on having enough money. If those if thoughts come up around that we don't need to feed them. And what if this happens and what if that happens? Just notice those thoughts. Recognize them. You can say, I see you there. Maybe you can have a humorous word or a phrase that you use when you see a familiar, distracting thought come up. Let it then let it go. No need to chase after it.
but be aware of the awareness that you have. Stay with your breath, but be aware of the things that are calling, calling your name, trying to entice you to get caught up in a thought. Just let the thought go. And if that's almost impossible to do, just know that if you continue to practice, it gets easier and easier. I would love to keep sitting with you, but I see we're over our, our time. So if you can keep sitting, just stay with your breath, stay in a comfortable, awake posture. This is the best way to spend time. So thank you so much. 
and I'll see you tomorrow. And as we say in Chicago, if you're in the book club, vote early, vote often. Bye-bye. <laughs>